Welcome to BDO in the Boardroom, a podcast series for board of directors and those charged with governance. Each episode features a topical discussion with board peers and subject matter experts on both trending and timeless boardroom issues, covering a myriad of issues including, but not limited to, mitigating risk in the increasingly digital world, navigating your board career, from landing your first board seat to succession planning in support of the next generation, to other top of mind issues such as ESG reporting, shareholder activism, and the insights we share through the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Rojic, Director of BDO Center for Corporate Governance, and welcome you to BDO in the Boardroom. I'm happy to sit down today with my colleagues Jim McDonnell and Joe Casey to discuss the role of the board in enterprise risk management, today's trending risks, and opportunities to maximize the value of corporate ERM programs. But first, a little bit about my guests. So Joe is a managing director in BDO's Greater Philadelphia Risk Advisory Services Practice and has over 25 years of experience in assisting companies with implementing and improving their enterprise risk management programs and internal audit functions. He's experienced in working across several different applications, including the controller function, fraud and forensics, litigation consulting, due diligence, as well as SOX compliance. Jim McDonald is our national practice lead of our risk and resilience practice for the firm and is in risk management, business continuity, and crisis management with more than 18 years of experience supporting Fortune 100 clients and federal agencies prepare for and respond to crises and emerging risks. He has designed ERM, business continuity, and crisis management programs that involve diverse stakeholders in the support of commercial, national security, and military clients. He has experience providing crisis response support during real-world events across multiple threat vectors, including product recall, extortion events, workplace violence, cyber attacks, natural disasters, as well as corporate misconduct. So Joe and Jim, with all of that experience combined, I'm excited to discuss our topic today, and I welcome you both to the program. Well, thank you for having us. Excited to be here. All right, so I'm going to jump right in, and and maybe Joe, we'll start with you on the primary concerns that a board is facing as it relates to ERM and the rapidly evolving risk environment we find ourselves in. Sure. So, so ultimately, at the end of the day, management and boards they want to be in a, be in a position to be able to make risk informed decisions, meaning that they want to be able to understand the risks as well as the opportunities that pose themselves when making these decisions. And we all know that in today's rapidly changing risk environment, this is not always easy, right? When you think of lots of emerging risks that are in front of people's mind right now, you think of inflation, supply chain, you think about climate change and activism and environmental social governance type issues, cybersecurity, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, China trade, and recruitment and retention of employees. And these are just some of the emerging risks and there's, there's many emerging risks. So as a, if a board member is really looking at what some of their concerns are, and there's really a couple items that I'm gonna talk about in, in a little bit more detail. One is, is the, one of the questions the board wants to ask itself and ask, understand is, is the executive team really managing risk effectively or is their process for identifying and management, managing risks does it need improvement? Kind of what is their process and how are they doing this? The second, which also relates to the first, 
is does the management team, as well as the board, and also third parties that you may involve, and I'll talk about what I mean by that, do they have the right skills and experience to be able to help a company manage, identify and manage these key risks of the organization? And it's really important to know where your skill gaps are. And what I mean by that is you may have uh, certain risks that the management team or the board are, are experts in. In some cases, you may need to use a third party that has some expertise that can help you identify and manage those risks. But it's understanding where those skill gaps exist and what you're going to do about them as an organization. And finally, the third item, which when I'll go into a little bit more detail, is do we really understand, does the board understand what is good enough to protect our shareholders and be competitive in the marketplace? And what I mean by that is a company may have 20 key risks, 50 risks, 100 risks, whatever the number of risks are, your net risk is never going to be zero. You're never going to have risk that is zero or, or as low as or at the lowest level. And between the management team, the board, and other third parties, do we first know what is good enough to protect our shareholders? And then is our program itself aligned and is it set up in a way to be able to look at this and really be able to align our program with what is good enough, not what is maybe not attainable for the company to achieve. So, so in going into each of these in a little bit more detail, when I think about managing risk, some of the questions as, as a board member I would really want to understand is who's leading the initiative internally? A lot of companies have a chief risk officer, but a lot of companies don't have a chief risk officer. So who's leading this risk process internally? Uh, does the board have a risk committee? A lot of times uh, companies have risk committees that report to the audit committee or the board, but who's leading this internally from the management team? Uh, do we have a risk-aware culture? And what I mean by that is some of the companies that I deal with, they really embed this concept of risk and risk ownership in internal communications frequently. They, they have town hall meetings and talk about the importance that, that everyone owns risk. They have training sessions, but is our what is our culture like to help us effectively identify and manage risks? Another thing that I look at in this process is does what is the company's methodology or approach for identifying, assessing, managing risks? Uh, there's a lot of different frameworks, and one of the one of the frameworks or approaches that I frequently utilize is the COSO framework, and in that framework. Uh, the Committee of Sponsoring Organizations. And what that framework talks about is really an organization, uh, it recommends an organization look at its mission, vision, and core values, and then look at its strategy and its objectives, its sub-objectives to that strategy or strategies, and really ask itself, what are the risks as well as the opportunities to achieving that strategy or achieving those objectives? So let's say if the strategy of, of an organization is to provide consumers, you know, an online marketplace to purchase, let's say, the largest, most diverse group of consumer products at a competitive price and deliver those products to customers faster than your competitors and conveniently anywhere you want to get it delivered to. When you look at that strategy, and, and that company may have multiple strategies, it's really looking at that strategy, be able to link your risks 
to that strategy? And is, do they have a process? And, and this it's not one size fit all, fits all. I mean, that not every company looks at its strategy first and, and then looks at its risk to achieving those objectives or strategy. But really understanding what is the company's methodology or approach, I think is really important to a board to help them understand how they're going about this and do they have a way of looking at emerging risks and really integrating it into their, their day-to-day activities. Another thing as a board member is really understanding the company's maturity. And what I mean by that is it takes a lot of companies uh, many years to have a very strong, robust risk management, enterprise risk management program. It doesn't happen overnight. There's a, there's a cultural changes in some cases. There's evolution. There's having the right people in place. But it's under it's a company clearly understand where they are along that maturity model. They're in the early stages, are they in the middle, late stages? But having a plan and the board understanding what is their plan to move along and mature their program. Uh, also, as a board member, it's important to understand and and look at you know how frequently is management providing board updates. Some companies provide the board an update of these are our top risks monthly, some do it quarterly, some do it annually. What is the frequency of the board getting updates? Are they getting these updates uh, of, of all the risks? Is it their top five risks, 10 risks, 20 risks? But really understanding that and understanding what the company's process is to identify its top risks, rank those top risks, prioritize them. Also, a few more points here with this is that when I think of uh, a company's looking at emerging risks, it's really important not to just look at what's happening outside the company, right? We look at, you know, there's inflation and supply chain issues right now. There's all types of of regulatory issues that may affect your company, but really for a board to understand how the company internally is looking at how changes in their business model, they may acquire a business, they may introduce new products, new markets they may enter. Uh, Their employees, you know, they may have moved to a, a very high remote workforce, they may have new technology, but how is management looking at changes to its model and integrating that into their process for looking at uh, new and emerging risks and, and to be able to reprioritize those risks? Uh, the second item I talked about skills and experience, and I, and I probably won't go into it much further. I talked about it a little bit before, but besides to effectively manage, manage risk, as I mentioned, you absolutely need the right people in place leading the initiative. You need to have the board clearly understanding what the key risks are and, and how it affects the company's strategy. But also, I realize that not all management teams and boards have all of the, the, the right skills and experience to be able to fully evaluate cyber risks or other risks that may not reside in their area of expertise. And that's where third parties can come in and help organizations really help them ensure they've identified all of the proper risks and have a process for managing them. Another area related to this with skills and experience I talked about is besides having the right people leading the initiative, it's also is there collaboration across all different types of functional areas. You may, when you think of risks, companies have strategic risks, they have compliance risks, they have financial and operational risks. It's really important to understand, is there cross-functional collaboration? Do we have people in all different groups to help us be able to bubble up in a very uh, logical way to understand what our most important risks are be able to prioritize and be able to have a process for looking at new and emerging type risks. And finally, I we have when company has risks, they have 
when you think of risks, you may have a group of risks, and some of them are very high gross or inherent risk, meaning that before you factor in your mitigating actions or controls or things that you do to mitigate that risk, whether it's having a having a very specific control in the organization, you may transfer some of the risks to insurance, whatever it may be, is does the company have a process for um, assessing whether those mitigating actions really are in fact designed in a way and operating effectively to, to give the board assurance that they are really mitigating that risk. And in some companies have internal audit functions that can assist with that. And in some cases, uh, third party or other internal processes are able to help provide boards assurance that those mitigating actions are in fact uh, very effective and designed in a way that helps provide that assurance. No, thank and you so much. That that yeah. was a really great kind of overall summary of how boards should be looking at this, what they should be expecting of the various aspects of management. You said something really interesting that I just wanted to follow up on in, in that, in that, and this is a question that we tend to get a lot when we're talking with boards, is what what is the number? What is the right number that as a board of director to be focusing on with respect to the company. So, you know, th there could be hundreds of risks that a company encounters. How do you boil it down to the prioritization that you were talking about before? And, and how do you align that with what you have started with, the value, the mission, and the core values of the company, but also to get to a risk appetite that, you know, there's always gonna be risk left over how can you live with that residual risk? How, how do you boil it down, I guess, would be my, my question. Yeah, I think that boards, some companies, you know, go through a process of identifying too many risks that they, can, that they can't really address in a, in a holistic way in a reasonable period of time, is a lot of boards typically receive a listing of anywhere from five to 20 risks. It, it varies by board, but a lot of times is keeping the board focused on these are, I think a good sweet spot is 10 to 15 risks. These are the 10 to 15 most important risks in the organization. And this is where they stand from a gross risk standpoint. I mean, these are our 10 most important risks before factoring in our mitigating actions. But then from a standpoint of, okay, but also by the way, when, you, when we whittle this down, these are our largest risks from a net risk standpoint, which really get a lot of people's attention because then they ask themselves, okay, these are the five risks that have the highest residual or net impact of the organization. And the next question as a board member is, what are we doing about these? And is there anything else we can do about it? Have we explored all options? Or is it the fact of the matter is we've done almost everything reasonably possible, and this is the best place we can get to uh, for now, based on our organization, based on our resources, based on our risk profile, and at the same time, uh, really focus on those. So that's that's kind of my view there. Got it. Now, th thank you for that. So I think we've, we've talked about from the board's perspective, maybe let's shift a little bit and bring Jim in here and, and let's talk about the macro trends and risk management that board members should be considering today. Yeah, Jim, why so, don't you get us off there? Absolutely. So uh, I, I actually was giving this topic a little bit of thought, and I've come up with, I think, what are the five most commonly asked about topics that we're getting as it relates to risk management these days uh, and, and topics that the board should be thinking about. And first and foremost, 
the biggest top of mind issue is the hard insurance market. Right now, we are seeing insurance increased in terms of um, cost across almost every line of insurance. This is the worst insurance market of most of our lifetimes. Last time insurance was this bad in the corporate environment was probably back in the asbestos days. So if you are sitting on a board and you hear that you're paying a heck of a lot more for less insurance, you need to ask yourself some hard questions about does that strategy still make sense? Do I want to pay more money for less coverage? Um, and how does this fit in with our larger risk management approach? If you uh, think about your organization more holistically, there are other levers that you can pull to help manage your risk other than insurance. And there are other ways that you can get the best possible outcome on your insurance discussion. So that is a big cost driver. That's something that I think a lot of the board members should be considering. The second most common topic that we are getting asked about is black swan events. And that is really not shocking coming out of COVID, coming out of the situation that we're seeing with Russia, Ukraine. But just to take a step back and reset, the whole idea of a black swan event is that it is an unforeseen event, something that nobody could really even come up with. I would argue that for most organizations, they should be more concerned with what are commonly referred to as gray rhino events. Gray rhino events are things that we can't imagine. It's gray. It's a rhino. We know what they look like, right? We can maybe see one sitting over there across the room, but you haven't really necessarily taken the actions to manage it in a, in a way that you feel ultimately comfortable about. And if we just take a step back and think about this, this makes sense, right? If I walk out my door today, is there a chance that I'm going to be attacked by a lion? For any of us who watch Tiger King, we know that the answer is yes, there is an outside chance that a lion is roaming my streets right now and is going to attack me but I live on the East Coast. Should I be more concerned with black bears than a lion? Probably, but realistically, my weird neighbor down the street who has some very aggressive looking pit bulls is probably the thing that I should be most concerned about. So while black swans are getting a lot of attention these days, I would argue that the more likely risks, the ones that you should be most concerned about are the known risks that you uh, kind of have operating in your environment. The third big topic that I would also say that we're getting asked about a lot are um, increased expectations of social responsibility. I think that we all know that uh, the demands that customers are placing on business or the expectations of how businesses conduct themselves are changing. Joe mentioned a lot of the ESG related topics, but more broadly than that, even if you're not in the B2C space and you're in the B2B space, we are seeing companies try to mitigate risk within their supply chain. And having a good understanding of what you can and should do to invest your dollars judiciously, wisely, come up with strategies that make sense is something that a lot of organizations are struggling with. Because I think it is important to note that risk is not an inherently dirty word. It is okay to be risk-seeking in some areas and risk-averse in other areas, but you should have a deliberate strategy and something that is aligned with your values, your operating model as an organization. And I think a lot of companies are just having a hard time understanding in today's rapidly dynamic environment what right ultimately looks like. The fourth thing that I would bring up is the, vol the, uh, the volatile regulatory environment. We are seeing internationally and here within the US uh, a high degree of regulatory changes. And what that is happening, what that's causing to happen is, uh, again, a little bit of contribution to that increased expectations of responsibility and how businesses conduct themselves, but also we're seeing a lot of flow down provisions. 
if you operate in a space that provides services to the federal government or you know you're in a supply chain you are going to probably have some flow down requirements if you work with financial services companies you're going to have some requirements that are going to be placed upon you and the situation is that when you think about this on an international basis on a state by state basis um it is becoming exceptionally difficult to stay on top of what regulations you need to be worried about and you also have to be concerned about the corresponding case law if things get you know interpreted slightly differently as it relates to a regulatory environment because this really impacts your risk profile in two different ways one it can increase the likelihood that you're inadvertently going to step afoul of a regulatory requirement which increases the likelihood that you know an event is going to happen but also as these regulations change it can impact the severity of the event right the introduction of gdpr on the data side as well as the california consumer production act these are all just examples of new regulatory requirements that have significantly changed the way that businesses need to operate and that is very much a a topic that is um top of mind and last but not least we hear a lot of concerns around the the dangers that set below the fold the things that aren't necessarily on joe's top 10 top 15 list which i absolutely agree merit a lot of time and attention these are more of the monsters hiding under the bed that everybody is worried about somebody knows about in the organization you just don't have visibility into it but it sneaks out grab your ankle and you have a really really bad day in response to this and what i would say is the best crisis incident whatever you want to call it is one that is avoided but if you think that there is a chance that a inevitable unforeseen bad thing might actually happen what we also recommend is that you focus on building a resilient organization and what i mean by that is there are areas that you can invest in that regardless of what the threat is regardless of what ultimately happens will provide you some return on investment for example designing a threat agnostic crisis management program or having a robust business continuity program that is threat agnostic and will help you deal with any unforeseen event that pops up out of nowhere those are wise investments because you get a good return on your dollar it doesn't matter what the specific thing is that happens if you can navigate it effectively as an organization and you have a good let's just say corporate immune system where you're healthy you got a good bottom line you have a risk aware leadership you have people that are used to navigating these unforeseen things those are invaluable because it helps you prepare for the expected and the unexpected as well that that was a great summary so i think one of the things that i would love to hear a little bit more about as you outline all the kind of the major trends what are the pitfalls that companies are commonly stepping into as it relates to risk management that you're seeing yeah that's another great question and um a few top of mind thoughts in that area and and Joe alluded to this a little bit earlier is that companies do not periodically evaluate what they are doing in the term of, in the field of risk management and asking themselves some hard questions um whether the resources that they've committed to it whether the strategy that they've designed uh maybe last year two years ago five years ago still makes sense in today's environment these there should be a constantly evolving process to reevaluate are we still driving forward 
uh, in a way that makes sense to the programs, designs, to the resources committed to it, makes sense given how we're operating as an organization today. And that really is inevitably linked to the way that your customer set is changing, your operating model, and what you value as an organization. I like to make the joke sometimes that, you know, uh, well, Louis Vuitton cares a whole heck of a lot more about a product recall on their purses than somebody selling Louis Vuitton knockoffs on Canal Street, right? They're both selling the same product, but their business model is very, very different. Their brand and reputations are different. So you need to constantly make sure that you understand how you're operating as an organization and ask your hard, yourself some hard questions about um, what you should be doing to be competitive in the marketplace and to give your shareholders and your customers a good sense of confidence that you are a risk aware and and um, and and uh, healthy organization. The second thing is not linking your enterprise risk management to your internal audit programs. And uh, the easiest way to think about this is the old Reagan trust but verify, right? You have put some risk mitigation programs in place um, that theoretically at this point are aligned with your risk appetite. You feel confident in them, but are people really following them? Are people really doing what they're supposed to be doing? You have to make sure that you're doing your due diligence as an organization to, to kick the tires and make sure that people are following up and that the controls, the mitigants, whatever you want to call them, uh, are actually accomplishing the objectives that you set out. The third area is when organizations do not incentivize making risk-aware decisions. And what I mean by this is that most of your executives and your management are likely incentivized by things like growth, operational efficiency, uh, profitability. And a lot of times making a risk aware decision is making a decision to not do something or to stop doing something that you previously did. And a lot of times that's really hard to quantify. It's a good for the organization. Absolutely. But taking a step back and saying, you know what, that was a good risk aware decision and acknowledging that your culture values that kind of perspective is something that a lot of organizations fail to follow through on. You know, risk management tends to fall into a pretty common cycle where something bad happens. You say, oh my God, how did we ever find ourselves in this situation? So you invest time, money, and resources to try to make sure that never happens again. And then to the surprise of nobody, it works. So you're avoiding bad things happening, you're proactive, you're, you're doing a great job of, of effectively managing your risk portfolio. And then after a while, people's memories are short. People start asking themselves some questions like, why are we spending so much money and time and attention on this? And maybe the people with the institutional knowledge move on to other jobs or retire, and then the budget gets cut. And then the budget gets cut a little bit more. And then you have maybe people who don't value those risk-aware decision makings, and then what happens? Something bad happens again and you're like, oh my God, how did we ever find ourselves in this situation? And that cycle repeats itself. So one of the things that we really like to focus on is how to make these concepts stick, how to make them part of your culture. How do you make people prioritize this within the organization? Another big pitfall that we see enterprise risk management programs uh, fall into is overly complex analytic approaches, right? Um, a lot of organizations, do uh, a good job of this. Some do a terrible job at this, and a little bit. But this is a little bit informed by the industry that you're operating in, because we all know you might have some different regulatory environments. But more often than not, if your program is relying on Monte Carlo simulations and complex analytic models, and everybody is just focused on 
coming up with the exact perfect list of your risks, there's a diminishing return on investment there. The most important aspects of risk management is that you understand the strategy that you are employing as an organization. You feel confident that the risk mitigation efforts are aligned with what you are trying to accomplish. <laughs> and getting a perfect list of the exact risk profile, is it's not going to happen, right? None of us have crystal balls. If we could predict the future, I guarantee we're all in the wrong industry. So don't get lost in the analysis, the paralysis analysis and get so deep into the analytic portion and spend all your time and effort there instead of figuring out what the heck we're going to do about it. Where do we feel like we want to pursue risk? Where do we want to be risk adverse? And do we feel comfortable in, in what we have uh, ultimately implemented? And I alluded to this earlier, but staying cognizant of the way that um, your business model change impacts your risk profile. If you are going to expand internationally, you're going to have a whole new set of risks that you're going to have to deal with. If you are selling a new product, you're going to have a whole new set of risks that you're going to have to deal with. If you are transitioning from a manual process to a technology-based process, there's a whole new set of risks that you have to deal with. Every business decision that we make has a lot of opportunities, otherwise we wouldn't make it. But there is a corresponding set of risks that should also get some time and attention and going full steam ahead without taking a step back and asking yourself some hard questions around what could possibly go wrong and how could we mitigate those potential eventualities. We see a lot of companies fall into that. They've just kind of taken a set it and forget it mentality. I've got my list. I've looked at it a year and a half ago or a year ago. Ah, I don't have anything else to worry about. Well, guess what? The world changes. The way that you operate changes. This is a constantly evolving discussion that needs to be integrated at all levels of the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. I love what you said there, and I love that both of you have talked a lot about embedding a culture of risk within the organization and really driving that home. I think boards today are hearing more and more about the importance of corporate culture, tone at the top, but it's really embracing a whole bunch of things within that definition in terms of defining yourself as a good corporate citizen, developing good products, but also on the flip side of that is really recognizing what are the risks to your business and how do you champion all of your employees as stewards of risk to be on the lookout for risk, be able to mitigate those risks, bring them forward, and do something about them actively. So maybe with that segue, Joe, where in the organization are you seeing responsibility sit for enterprise risk management and perhaps recognizing that this may not be a one-size-fits-all approach at the board and the management levels? Yes, and it varies by company size, right? A lot of large companies have, about two-thirds of large companies from different studies I've seen, which is, which is consistent with the companies I've been in, have a chief risk officer and that chief risk officer may report directly in many cases to the ceo or the cfo but certainly when you think of smaller organizations right a lot of companies are trying to move to having a chief risk officer but certainly smaller medium-sized organizations may not have the resources or the the possibility of adopting such a, a, a role at this time a lot of times when we are leading these initiatives it is a group effort, but a lot of times I've seen uh, in these smaller to medium-sized organizations, if the absent having the chief risk officer, a lot of this direction process of, of, of a company's risk management program resides with the CFO, legal. Sometimes the internal audit function helps facilitate this process. They don't certainly don't own any of the risks, but helps facilitate it. 
So it's uh, there is an increased adoption as chief risk officer, chief risk officer role, but certainly at smaller and medium sized companies, it's not it's it's not there, and it may not it may not get there uh, ever due to the size of companies and the resources. But that's kind of what we're seeing there. In terms of uh, risk committees themselves, when I think of who else owns ERM and risk management. There has been an increase in the number of risk committees on boards, meaning that there may be a, a, a risk committee itself. And a lot of times these committees uh, do report to the audit committee. In some cases, they report to the board. Certainly in financial institutions, they, they're part of the board. But in a lot of other organizations that have these risk committees, they do report to the audit committee. Some report directly to the board. And a lot of this, a lot of companies will have a charter specifying what the responsibilities are of the risk committee and so on. And it's 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 delegated in that actual charter area. And really the third area where we're seeing uh, kind of the responsibility of risk management, besides the increased adoption of a chief risk officer and the focus more on having an increased number of committees, is the consolidation of the risk management functions to drive efficiency. In a lot of organizations, uh, these risks may be in different silos or different functional areas may have, you know, environmental health and health and safety group maybe have their set of risks, internal audit. You may have an insurance group. You have the finance group. It's really trying to holistically consolidate and really be able to have one functional area that can holistically capture all of the risks in, in one place. And the company has a full view as to what are our most important risks across the whole organization and they're not just sitting in these different functional areas to give senior management as well as the board insight into really where our most important risks are and looking at it across the whole organization. Jim, have you seen anything additional in terms of the risk management function itself? Yeah, I mean, Joe, I would say there's there's two other areas that I think that you touched on a little bit, but I would like to reinforce is one, our themes leading up to this point about the world being really complex and difficult to navigate these days and constantly evolving risks is um, it's a challenge to ensure that you have like that right amount of expertise. Do you, and most mid-sized companies, small cap companies, it's difficult to go out and say, hey, I'm going to go out and hire 15, 20 different unique risk practitioners to ensure that I have all of the knowledge inside the organization that I need to. That's just not realistic or practical. So more often than not, what we're also seeing is um, an increased focus on bringing in fractional expertise as needed. And we have a lot of discussions with our clients around how we might be able to assist them in, in that area. The only other thing too that I will really say is that most of your organization are not risk practitioners. And sometimes it's easy to go down the, the, the rabbit hole of thinking that everybody understands risk in the same way that we do or talks about it in the same way that we do. If I go out to you know a lot of our stakeholders and I try to talk to them about information technology disaster recovery and cybersecurity and business continuity and emergency management and crisis management and product recall and third-party risk, their eyes glaze over. You know what I mean? They're like, oh my God, like isn't this all the same thing? And I guess my message would be that you do not need to talk to your organization about risk the same way that people with deep domain expertise in risk do. You could simplify it and you wanna just make sure that they know who to reach out to, to get the advice that they need at any given point in time. So I guess that's an overarching message of somebody's gotta be in charge, right? 
but ultimately you need to make sure that your organization knows how they can raise these issues and speak to them in an organization in a language that resonates with them. Well, I think you guys have hit the nail on the head here, and I really thank you for your time and energy and passion on this subject. I think this was a great conversation and a lot of food for thought for boards and for management teams. So really thank you both for participating today and to our audience, and hopefully everyone will turn into our next episode on BDO on the Boardroom. Joe, Jim, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to BDO in the Boardroom. Past episodes and related insights are available at bdo.com slash BDO Boardroom. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on the BDO Center for Corporate Governance and Financial Reporting and the resources we provide, visit bdo.com slash BDO Knows Governance.